Hey guys, welcome to the Bohoning Soul Podcast. Um, today I have got a, another guy I've been trying to get on for a while now. It's a guy by the name of Isaac Justice. He is the host of the YouTube channel of uh, Limb Driven TV. And uh, well, Isaac, he, well, he lives here in Minnesota now. He is a uh, school teacher, younger guy, just recently graduated, and uh, he's a high school teacher now. He's an avid, avid bow hunter, and he is a diehard let's say Ashby follower, Ashbyite. Um, he, you know, full on believes in the, uh, we're talking Dr. Ed Ashby. He full on believes in, you know, the high FOC, heavy arrow, perfect arrow flight, uh, you know, indestructible components, that kind of thing. So his channel does a lot of uh, testing and shooting and, uh, you know, comparison kind of thing and trying to, you know, looking at different theories and trying to prove different theories as far as like aeroflight and penetration and things like that. He has gotten some flack, it seems like, and we talk about this a little bit, where, you know, some of the old guards say, well, you know, it, you can have your own beliefs and this and that. And we kind of talk about how some of these things that are, are that, that he does and I do as well is really not up for discussion as far as, you know, what's more effective uh, as far as aeroflight goes or as far as what the numbers say, as far as what, you know, uh, things like that. So he, you know, kind of gets a little bit of flack. We talk about that and we talk about how some of the, you know, some of the attitudes in, in, in archery in general, but in traditional archery where uh, some, you know, commonly held beliefs, you know, when, when they're challenged, then some of the old guard really doesn't like it too much. You know, we kind of touched on it a little bit when I did that, uh, uh, trad, you know, trad police episode, uh, several, you know, last year back sometime, but anyway, um, it, it, it's, it's not all just kind of bashing. It's just, we kind of touch on that kind of stuff and we kind of touch on his, um, you know, preferences for, you know, arrow setups and, um, the kind of bows he likes to shoot and that kind of stuff. Really just kind of good BS session. We kind of go all over the map on this one. It's about an hour and a half long and, um, just, just a really, really good conversation, fun conversation. So, um, I'm not going to, you know, dive too much into that right now. You can actually, you know, you can listen to the, to the actual episode. Now, uh, as we're talking about this, we are in full swing here of turkey season in Minnesota. And we're also in the middle of this COVID-19 uh, business slash nonsense. Um, I guess you can kind of tell where my... Um, where my thoughts lie on some of this stuff, but uh, looks like we're starting to open things back up. The upward trend is starting. There's there's a you know light at the end of the tunnel as far as being able to, you know have have businesses open and kind of get life get back to normal. I don't know what the new normal is going to be. I'm kind of scared of some of this stuff. Um, and, and not as far as uh, you know, viruses and things like that go, but but people people in charge, people in government, people who make decisions, who are gonna want to push this, um, push their agendas because of, of of what's happened here, and as far as you know, masks and you know immunizations and uh, uh, you know taking your temperature before you go into a restaurant and this kind of you know, there's all kinds of talk about all this kind of stuff, and I don't know how much of it's bullshit, I don't know how much of it's you know being really considered, I don't know how much of it the American people are going to tolerate but uh it's really been eye-opening to seeing quote unquote my fellow americans uh of who's buying into some of this stuff and who's not so anyway 
Um, anyway, back to turkey season here. So this year's turkey season has gone way better than last year's turkey season. Last year, uh, everywhere I wanted to go was pretty much flooded. We were underwater, and I could not get into some of these areas that I wanted to get to. This year, they're not underwater, and I've been able to go much, much deeper into some of these areas where I know their uh, you know turkeys reside, and uh, I've been able to chase them early mornings. Uh, it, it's been fun. I've had a lot of encounters. Well, not a lot. I've had several encounters as far as at least like being able to call to them and call back. Uh, I don't know about the rest of the country because the rest of the country seems to be saying that, that you know, these, these gobblers aren't, aren't really gobbling. They're not very vocal. They're not getting any responses. Well, for me, I'm getting a ton of responses. I just haven't had much luck trying to get them to leave their hens uh, after, after they fly down uh, over to me. Because I think, uh, you know, all I've been able to hunt really is the mornings. And I have not been able to get them away from the ladies that they're hanging out with in the mornings. Um, the um, the one time I did, I got a shot off. And I'm going to talk about that in a second here. And I'm not going to go too deep in, in, into the turkey thing uh, today, really. Because I think I'm going to do a, a turkey season wrap-up episode, let, let's say, in the uh, you know beginning part of June, let's say. Uh, because my my turkey season goes to the, you know through May, through the end of May. So... Um, but it, it's been fun. I, uh, I, I only took a blind out a couple times. The rest of the time I've been on the ground. And just recently, just several days ago, uh, I was about a mile and a half, mile and three quarter, easy walk trail. You know, not, not I didn't like hoof it anywhere, you know, super hard or anything like that. But I set up on, um, there's a river that kind of divides uh, two sections. Uh, I'm on the public side across the river's private side. And th- they are gobbling their heads off on the private side. And I was actually able to um, in the morning call in a turkey from across the across the river I was on the ground with my bear grizzly in a ghillie suit behind some deadfall and I had one of those funky chicken decoys and I was able to call this thing over and I missed a shot actually my arrow hit my decoy and, and deflected but I missed a shot at nine yards it was actually closer than that a, I, I'm telling you I have not had anything any more thrilling any more exciting than just those you know 10-15 seconds of when this thing you know popped up it came in full strut you know nice nice bird and uh, I, I, I messed up the shot I, I actually um, I said I was sitting on the ground uh, in a ghillie suit. This thing turned around. It fanned out. I actually stood up, stepped out about a you know step and a half, two steps to the right to kind of shoot around the brush, and uh, I actually ended up hitting my deep because the angle that I had, he was kind of quartering away and starting to turn toward me. The angle I had, it actually my arrow just clipped my decoy. I was really trying to thread it really really tight, and uh, then you know started to do like a fast tr- strut off uh, away. And uh, I launched another maybe 20, 25 yard shot at it through some, you know, through some deadfall and brush. And, you know, the arrow just kind of, you know, banged and, you know, zigzagged away. But um, that encounter was, I'm telling you, it was it was it was beyond uh, exciting, way more exciting than anything you're ever going to have in a blind. I just didn't want to carry a blind in a mile and a half back there. And uh, I don't think I'm going to go with a blind unless I'm going to be very, very close to where I'm parking. It's just a pain in the ass to haul that stuff. But doing it on the ground in a ghillie suit and almost I mean, almost getting it done. It was just so incredibly, incredibly exciting. So um, I'll walk through all that. 
and I walk through some of the other setups I have, um, what I've been doing, what I've been carrying, how I've been, you know, going about what, what the turkeys around me in this area, you know, what they, what, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And who knows, maybe, you know, when, when I do do that Turkey episode, uh, maybe I will have notched my tag by then who knows, probably not, but, um, I'm telling you, I'm still considering my encounters, uh, this year so far as, as, you know, a, a win-win I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy, you know, no matter what. So, uh, speaking of of uh, turkeys as well. Yeah, I want to send a congratulations out to previous guest uh, Cliff Cadet. He goes by uh, Urban Archery NYC in um, on Instagram. He's been a guest on here before. Remember, he's the guy that lives in Queens. Uh, he, you know, middle-aged, you know, middle-aged guy. Well, we'll say middle-aged, but I mean, he's in his like late 40s, I guess. And um, you know, lives in the heart of the city. Never been hunting before, other than a couple times last year. Last year was his first year, and this is his first season uh, as as a turkey hunter. And he was able to notch his tag a week ago. Today's Mother's Day uh, is when I'm recording this. And he was able to notch his tag a week a week ago Saturday. He, um, uh, f- first day, first day of, of, uh, of turkey hunting ever. And he did it with uh, a bow. He did it with his compound bow. And, uh, you know, congratulations to him. He went out with, uh, you know, a friend of his that kind of took him around to some different spots, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it was public land or private, but I mean, they bounced around a, b- a bunch, apparently. Go listen to his podcast. Uh, he's got a, a new podcast now. Uh, it's uh, When the Hunt Calls, and he has a couple episodes where he's had some turkey es- experts on there. Uh, they discuss, you know, pretty in-depth, uh, you know, as far as behavior and calling and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they, they went out and he shot his turkey uh, midday. So congratulations, Cliff. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to be a hunter for life. I know he's super excited. You know, like I said, first bow kill ever, first first big game animal of any sort whatsoever. And he happened and he did it on the ground. Uh, not in a blind. I think they were kind of hiding behind a rock wall, if I remember, uh, with uh, with his with his compound bow. So, congrats, Cliff, and uh, you know, hope you guys' seasons are, are are going just as good or having just as much fun. And uh, I hope you guys are you know safe and uh, you know getting through this Corona business, not only you know health wise or whatever, but financially and stuff you know intact. So, and I know a lot of people are not. So I hope you guys are uh, are kind of hanging through this. So anyway, don't want to go too much more into, into doom and gloom. I want to get into this conversation I had with Isaac Justice. Yep. Okay, cool. Say start recording. All right, cool. I think uh, I think we're good. So, um, Isaac Justice, welcome. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm I'm good. Um, we were just chit chatting here a little bit ago, and uh, this I, th- I think you had. Uh, you said you did this a couple other times, and and we we did. You know, you use like different programs or different different methods or whatever. But so far, fingers crossed, the Skype deal is uh, is is working pretty good as long as we can find each other and you and I had no problems. And so I think, I think you're coming in pretty clear. Am I clear to you? Yep. We're clear. I think this is going to work great. Sweet. So you and I actually, I messaged you. I'm going to say, God, it was before, it was before deer season last year. And it was uh, quite a number of months ago. Yeah. And you said, man, you know, we're heading into this, into the school year. Cause uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. I'm going to have you say, say who you are and what you do and all that stuff. But, um, and you said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get together. We're heading into deer season and this and that. And here we are in like middle of April, you know, <laughs> but, um, if, uh, if, if 
for those listening who has who haven't heard of you or, or, or watched any of your stuff, why don't you just kind of give like a quick rundown of uh, who you are and where you live and what you do? Yeah, so I guess I I'm the what I would say the host of Limb Driven TV, the YouTube channel, and we have just over uh, probably halfway now to 4,000 subscribers, mid threes is about where we're at, and we. My myself and a roommate really started going. There's three of us on a channel, uh, but I do a lot of the talking just because I don't know. I'm I'm very extroverted and I enjoy that recording scene and I'm I'm pretty comfortable in front of a camera. But I also had more time on my hands than the other two to get in front of the camera and get used to it. But we're just kind of playing to our strengths. I do a lot more talking and the other guys do a lot more of the editing and uh, like the thumbnails and filling out descriptions and sharing things around so between the three of us we we kind of tackle the whole project kind of between us three but what we did was we we started youtube channel mainly because we wanted to just start recording hunting things but we also knew that it'd be kind of cool to like record our journey of learning about archery Mm -hmm. and it was kind of funny because in the beginning when we started with the idea of like learning about archery I ended up running into a few guys that are, I'm not, I'm not, not going to get too far ahead of myself. Just keep it at, I ran into a few guys and those few guys were able to, to lead me to a lot of really good information about bow hunting mm-hmm. and gave were they're graceful enough to give me a lot of equipment to test out and try in some of our early videos. Like, these are people that are not even associated with any company. They just were like, Hey dude, I see like you shared this video and I'm just saying you could be a lot better. And instead of being the people on the internet that just completely wreck you and are like, dude, you're awful. Get off here. Mm -hmm. You know, you put yourself (laughs) out there. You don't want to get completely wrecked, but these guys were really nice. And they were like, dude, you have an outlet here. You could do this, but let me send you some things, try these out and then see what, what you could come up with for video ideas and so, so i ended up so with let me interrupt you real quick so was that like actual um products to test or are you talking like like cameras and, and things like that to oh, good question. Get, get your video game better good question it was both it was okay. suggestions on the camera deal uh we went from using a gopro to using dslr cameras uh after just trying out a buddies then it was like oh crap like you're right this is way better than using a gopro <laughs> let's let's upgrade so we upgraded and then it was instead of you know making videos about shooting fans we had a series called arrow versus we shot like an ice block we shot uh literally like a satellite dish from dish network and we were just kind of joking around about arrow weight then all of a sudden guys were like man you should actually like come up with some penetration tests so we did that and they weren't very good they're totally unscientific and absolutely awful and i had some guys sending me that their stuff to try out so then all of a sudden I gained all this experience through that from people just sending me stuff they paid for and I was able to test their equipment out and give a review. People that are like, yeah, I have one arrow here from a set that I used last year. I have three arrows left. I'm not going to use them because seriously, who uses three arrows? Literally yeah. nobody. We all that want six me. or yeah. a dozen. Yep. Yep. We all want three. So I just like, that's kind of how our channel got started was a lot of external resources came together and helped us out and then from there i got to know uh mainly because i spent so much money there uh some of the grizzly stick guys and not just people that were actually work for the company but other people that are associated by 
I, this thing called friendship that I know is online <laughs> that guys don't believe, but like, yes, it's possible to still pay for your equipment and just be really good friends with an owner mm-hmm. <laughs> and support that owner. Like yeah. what I do to a few companies is I buy their stuff, but I also really support them. And sometimes, yeah, they might be like, yeah, just give you the deal. But most times it's like, no, I don't want you to give me a deal. I'm supporting you. I'd want you to have my money. Anyways, that's a different rabbit hole. But yeah, that was ended up being kind of where we ended up was, man, it'd be really good to just make videos about the best equipment ever. And then from there it was, holy crap, nobody knows what they're doing. We, you know, we spent so much time internally trying to figure out what we were doing that we learned so much from reaching out to a lot of external resources and guys that actually knew what was happening that we ended up in a roundabout way making enough mistakes to learn more than the average person in a short amount of time. So now pretty much all our channel does is how to's. We started with testing and like I said, they weren't very good. The videos were awful to be honest, but now we're just pretty much only do how to's and how to's related to compound bows related to traditional bows. What we're trying to cover is exactly how to be a successful bow hunter. And that might be covering tuning things. We cover a lot of tuning stuff. I just dropped a new tuning video today. Uh, Tuning is a mainstay of our channel. But also the small, intricate how-tos, like how are you going to sharpen your broadhead? How are you going to build your arrow to be as tight a tolerance as possible? And I feel like in some ways it's a lot of the things that it's popular now on YouTube, but a couple years ago, and that's why I saw the growth that I did in the first two years was that it wasn't as popular. So we were kind of in the beginning of those stages, but I guess that's pretty much all I got about our channel. We don't aspire to be big names. We don't aspire to be the TV guy. We're not the channel that's going to bring in all of our self-filming stuff into the woods and try and show you however many kills that we get in a year. What we want to do is strictly review and tell you about products that we're using and why they're useful to us we're we're not scratching for subscribers we're not scratching for money all we do is record stuff that we think would help people and i think that's separated us in some ways from some other channels and i think that's why we have a lot of guys that really hate our channel i mean we have a ton of people that hate our channel and hate me and hate a lot of a lot of people that i've worked with because we just tell it how it is we just tell it like, hey, you know, that's not very good. And guys are like, I've used that for 20 years. It's good. Oh. Okay, you've used it for 20 years. It doesn't mean it's good. But yeah, yeah. You know, that Dude, rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so many, um, n- not not to tie myself to you, but there's so many parallels with what I'm trying to do with Boning Soul and the stuff that I put out versus may, maybe that's why I like your channel is, you know, um, for, for for the same reasons now now you guys you're in you're in wisconsin right you're in you're out in like stevens point i believe or is that so that's the funny part is when we were in college we recorded everything in stevens point myself and my roommate and then our third guy uh he was still in high school at our very start but then because so, he's a couple of years younger than us mm-hmm. and now he's in college in south dakota so we are separated and now since then garen and i the him and i are the two that are most present on the channel then we've both graduated and are in our normal day jobs, and we're both back in Minnesota. So Garen's actually in St. Cloud. He's mm. up near you-ish. You're in northern Minnesota. Now I'm down no. by Rochester. 
No, no, I'm in I'm in Victoria. I'm like southwest of the cities. You know where Chanhassen, Chaska, that oh, area really? is. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Victoria. Nice. Yep. Yep. So you're kind of splitting the difference between where Garen and I are at. So we yeah. went to college in Wisconsin, but we were both Minnesota born and raised, and we both came back to Minnesota for uh, our normal jobs. So he's a fisheries biologist and is getting ready to go from his normal job to getting into grad school. And then I'm a teacher here in the Rochester area. So. Oh, cool. Pretty, yeah, that's, so. that's 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 pretty noble, man. I, you know, I've I've uh, you know, th- this not to get off topic too much, but we can go wherever we want with this. Um, you know, until this whole like, not that I didn't, you know, had disrespect to teachers or anything like that, but just the amount of work that you guys do and have had, you know, that, that I think parents are realizing now that everyone's kind of homeschooled because of this, you know, Corona business is mm-hmm. just. I think I, I think people are that. Um, Maybe not not even just teachers, but but people that are doing things or having to do things for themselves or for their family that other people normally do, I think they're really starting to realize like, oh crap, this is you know we we really rely on these people. Now I, I have a I have an eight year old, almost eight year old daughter, right? Um, so she's you know at we're homeschooling her now, obviously. We don't know if you know where she's going to go back to school or not. She loves school, loves her teacher, really kind of, you know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of kids are kind of you know. This is a big change for them, especially when they're when they're younger, you know, and, uh, you know, my wife's having to to homeschool and just, you know, there, there's a lot going on. She's only in first grade, you know, so it's not like she's in school like all day long. So it hasn't been crazy tough. But I know people that have like multiple kids and they're in like, you know, different age, you know, groups and classes, you know, by several years. And I mean, it's it's tough. Like, how how are you? dealing with with your students like what um, are you are you doing online teaching or, or how's that going for you yeah just two two things based off of what what you have kind of said there first i'll answer your question we're doing everything online so we function through google classroom mm-hmm. and that's really all in depth you have to go because either you know what google classroom is or you don't it kind of is what it is <laughs> yeah so you'd be like okay it's just an online platform mm-hmm. the second thing is just to touch on what you've mentioned about the you know, do, doing another person's job. I feel like that's not, I appreciate the comments because I do feel like teachers in general, they have, most of them are underappreciated. Maybe not most, but there's a handful that are. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is that anytime you do your normal job and then have to do someone else's job, it's going to feel totally weird. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if I had to go do, you know, someone else's job at, you know, in a, like a clinical lab, I'd be like, what is even happening? But Hey, right. they were trained in to do it. You know, I've, right. I've spent four years preparing for the teaching stuff. So for me, at least right now, young in my career, I don't feel like it's overly difficult to, to be a teacher The I think anyone can be a teacher. I just don't think that everyone has the patience to handle what we have to handle on an everyday basis. And that's really the thing That's that separates a, a teacher it. versus a non-teacher is do you have yeah. the patience to handle the little things? You know, being a high school <clears> teacher <throat> and only 23 years old, I have a lot of challenging comments that get made towards me mm-hmm. uh, from the 17 and 18-year-old boys <laughs> that that think they are the cat's meow. Oh, and then yeah. they forget. It's like, ooh, buddy, you know, I was in high school four years ago. I don't think you want to challenge me to whatever you want to challenge me to. It's yeah. like, oh, how about we play a game? Let's go to the weight room and we and we play the game. You choose a workout, and I kick your butt in it. <laughs> they like they like playing that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, I I don't know. Either way, I mean, that's probably a better way of putting it. But you know, it seems like any 
any anyone who I've talked to, other parents, other whatever, and and their um, you know when they're talking about their their kids uh, teachers and stuff, it seems like every teacher has kind of risen up to the uh, I don't say challenge, but new challenges of, of of teaching this way. So anyway, props to all you guys out there and you know doing that. But uh, so okay, so so that's going. And so now you're back in Minnesota. For some reason, I, I, I thought you were still in Wisconsin. Not that it really mattered or whatever, but um, no. Going back, but this is back. a good transition point on yeah. on the, the you know the Wisconsin Minnesota the, versus the teaching stuff, you know, and and just as every student might not get along with every teacher, it's the same way with the YouTube videos. So going back to what you when I was saying that some people absolutely hate our channel, yeah. we also have a number of people that absolutely love our channel. Is you're, sometimes you need to hear it from someone else, you know, just like you know, you're probably not going to want to teach my health units to your eight year old daughter, but yeah, they might get a little bit better from me, the mm-hmm. teacher, and it won't be so awkward. Well, sometimes right. you get guys that know me personally and are like, no, I don't want to listen to you because I don't think you know what's going on. But you have other people that they have no problem listening. So, yeah, you know, with our channel, we have three thousand little about mid threes for subscribers and we feel like we're well supported in that regard and we have a number number of people that don't like us because yeah. we're not the channel that records a bunch of kills every year we don't kill a st- ton of stuff every year i live in minnesota man the only thing i got is deer what are you gonna do about it i got deer and t- honestly no one cares about turkeys like <laughs> people go turkey hunting but like if you kill a turkey people aren't like yeah all right you know what you're talking about like no one mm-hmm. actually cares about turkey, and a lot of people use shotguns. So, yeah, no, I got deer. I, yeah, we we got we got deer, and I I hear you on that. I mean, I I have like like 450s or 80 some subscribers right now, right? I mean, I've been I I I don't have I didn't shoot anything last year. I don't think I shot anything the year before. Um, you know, and I'm and I'm trying to do it all all bow hunting, mostly like 99% traditional, you know? And, uh, so I'm the same way. So I just, when I decided to start my channel, I'm like, okay, look, I'm not an expert in like body count, right. As far as like, uh, you know, stacks of deer to the, to the ceiling or whatever, (laughs) but I'm, you know, I I know how to tune a bow. I'm a lot of the stuff is, is self-taught too. You know, when, when I started tinkering with, with compounds, you know, before I even got into traditional, I learned all the stuff kind of like when you were saying like you, you guys did stuff, you tried a trial and error. Hey, this works, this doesn't work. You kind of stumble on things. You do a little bit of critical thinking and you're like, huh, okay, well I'm noticing that it does this when I do this, you know, and and it's it's not what other people are saying. What the the common I guess not not myths, but commonly held beliefs about you know bows and arrow flight and penetration and things like that. And you start doing your own you know you gathering your own like database, and you're like it's not jiving with what the commonly held beliefs are. And I'm finding like lately, um, I'm gonna say in the last several years, okay. Uh, I, and, and I'm I'm sweeping like a broad brush over here, but a, <laughs> a lot of commonly held beliefs in in archery, especially in traditional archery, are are have come to the forefront with 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 people looking at it with more critical eye, with a more scientific eye, and it's kind of ruffling feathers in you know with the old crowd. Yeah, um, that you know, it is. It, yeah, and I've I've run into a bit of that, but I I just thought it was funny. You're peculiar, not whatever, not peculiar, but um, interesting that the way you guys went about it is kind of the way I've been going about it. 
and you know same deal like we can call it bro science right there's there's like backyard bro science you know um you know and cody greenwood you know like from trad lab i don't know if you follow yep. him at all you know yeah. he's like super super scientific right but and, and and i follow his stuff i i love the way he breaks down what he breaks down and there's no arguing with actual raw data you know but mm-hmm. a lot of people do come to the similar conclusions with backyard bro science um and, and i think there's there's merit to that and i think what you're saying is that when you, and maybe it's because of your age too, maybe that the whole high school thing, you know, because you look like a younger guy, right? You look younger. Oh than, yeah, I look you know like I'm I mean? 12. I'm never gonna avoid that. It just yeah. is what it is. And 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 I think that I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I hope not, but maybe that's part of like, what does this young punk know? You know what I mean? And it's like, I well, get that. All I shoot the time. a lot. You know, I shoot a lot. That's what I know. I know what I know. I mean, do you think do you think it's part of it? Well, I think the thing that guys forget. And this is going to come off rather, I guess, aggressively confident in some ways. But what guys forget is that uh, yeah, there's no good way to say this. So I'm just have to say it. It's hard to be humble about this particular subject. I know just about everything there is to know about an arrow. There's mm-hmm. really not much left for me to learn. Uh, I've been st- studying it, I guess, is the only word to, to put out about it uh, for the last six years really i've been studying arrows and how does x affect y and z and how does this all go together i've talked to everyone that's involved in the ashby foundation i'm actually in the middle of a project that i can't give too much detail about with the ashby foundation that will be ready to go hopefully by this fall it's a it's a video series and we're doing a lot about arrows to try and answer the questions that guys are asking now that there's so many people finally asking about. Mm-hmm. I, there is very few people that on this planet that can actually tell you why everything happens with an arrow and penetration and break everything down. Right. And those are the people that I spend my time talking to. So there's really no other way to to say that besides how I just did. But to answer your question about the age thing, it's not like we have a list of credentials on the internet when it comes to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. If I comment in a forum, it's just my name and my comment. Mm-hmm. And they either listen or they don't. And most times they don't. And that's okay. But, you know, you don't... The only way it seems like on the internet that you get credibility is through a bunch of kills but what guys don't understand is that you don't need a large track record to know exactly what's going on because i've set dozens of guys up for africa trips that have killed dozens of animals i've set up guys for cape buffalo i've set up guys for elin i've set up females to go to africa and they've trusted my advice and my builds and i've sent them to my arrow builder that dynamic archery solutions rob hummel i've sent him to my arrow builder i've sent them to my arrow dealer jake thompson out of well he was in texas and now he's in colorado from danger close outdoors i've sent them to my guys that do the setups jake will book your hunt rob will build your arrows i will tell you to go through those guys and guys forget that experience is gathered not just by through my own eyes and through my own experiences, but also through the people that I'm helping. And okay, right. I, I gave you this and this worked. Note taken. Okay, I gave you this and that borderline didn't work. Okay, note taken. So guys do forget that. And 
I guess, like I said, it's not like looking at me, it would be anything impressive. It's not like I have a bunch of impressive photos on Facebook, but Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, the, the people that I, that I talk to on an everyday basis about these subjects, they have that track record. Strangle Middleton is like the best guide ever in Africa. He's up there. He's super awesome. And he's a super awesome guy to talk to. He knows like all the people that you'd want to know related to African hunting. What's hilarious is he doesn't know anything about arrows. All he's going to tell you to do is strap up a 315 grain broadhead with a grizzly stick shaft and go hunt, you know? Yeah. So there's a difference between someone that's a straight killer and then someone that knows the science and can explain to you why you're doing what you're doing. Chances are the people that kill the most, they don't question and critically think about anything. They grab and go, they kill the crap out of a bunch of stuff and yeah. that's what they do. And that's a great thing. You know what? I wish I could be that person. <laughs> totally wish I could be that person. Yeah. But some of us other guys, we fill fill our time with the the analytical thinking and critical thinking about everything and analyzing yeah. and overanalyzing. And as much as Aaron Snyder's talked about how he hates those guys, what else are we to do, man? We got an eight hour job we gotta do five days a week. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's and it might come off slightly snide, but man, that's that's what we do. I know you like that stuff too. You love talking arrows. I love talking arrows. I love I do. stuff. Why would you yeah. not? <laughs> yeah, that's our I, time I, I do. with our gear. No, I, absolutely. I love talking arrows, and I love talking. You know, not just arrow tuning, but but but. Well, I mean, to me, they go together. You know, but bow tuning as well. You know, um, I I I just yeah. There's when you go down the rabbit hole of, of, of one or the other or, or you know getting both you get you, you learn you learn so much by, by this trial and error kind of stuff so I guess when you when you first started like what was some of the first things that you that you picked up was a part was it was a part of bow tuning was a part of arrow tuning yeah that's a good question you know I'm thinking back to one of my first videos I did related to bone penetration and it's it's I tested that must have been six or seven different heads and uh, the one I'm thinking of is one, uh, I don't remember the brands, but one was a three blade and one was a four blade. And I shot at some bone. And this is when I really started like, holy crap, everything I've read in the Ashby reports is like, crap, that guy knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is I shot a three blade and I shot a four blade and it was totally weird because the four blade did better. And then I did it in cardboard and it was totally weird. Because the four blade did better. And I was like, Garen, this makes no sense. Why is the there's more surface area? There's four blades. Why is it outperforming the three blade? <laughs> well, three blades a wedge though, right? Right. So then yeah. that's how we dove into that was talking yeah. about like the actual cutting pattern and how technically it's yeah, I'm not even gonna go into all that, but talking about the angles that it cuts, how the three blade needs an entire sectional area to leave, whereas the four blade is technically only making two slices. So two, slices, two versus yep. two yep. versus three, two is less resistance. So it's mm-hmm. like, holy crap, like this Ed guy kind of knew something. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of when the turning point happened. So we started looking at all these arrow things and we got to a point that we couldn't decipher the difference between certain arrow performances because I believe it's because of tune. So it was like, crap, okay, we really need to start looking at this tuning deal. So then we got into the tuning stuff. But we we're really, really thankful for the shop that we used in Wisconsin. Yeah. Top Gun Archery. And I, I wear the sweatshirt all the time. I try and wear it in as many videos as I can because 
we're not there anymore because now we're in Minnesota. But right. Roland is the guy who runs that shop, and he was a two-time Top Gun Award winner in the Midwest for IBO. He's mm. an extremely good shot. It's he's the best shot I've ever seen in person, which probably isn't extremely impressive. Uh, being a hat, it's not like I've shot with a bunch of high-end guys, but Roland is just like he's incredible. He is incredible at shooting. And you can't be that good at shooting unless you're good at tuning. So we learned all of our tuning things from Roland. Every little tweak, every little thing that you want to do to a compound or to an arrow that would be shot out of a compound, we learned from Roland. All the trad bow stuff, I pretty much learned everything on my own. Or I had a mentor, Todd Smith, who works at Grizzly Stick, was one of the first employees at Three Rivers Archery uh, when they first started going in the late nineties, uh, between Todd Smith and myself, we got the traditional side of things done, uh, like really squared away. And I learned a lot from Todd and then the compound stuff. I learned a lot from Roland. So it's just really good to have influencers, you know, that actually know what's going on. That's really good. And especially nowadays, there's, like you said, there's, there's so much stuff out now that, I mean, more YouTube channels, more, you know, coaching, more, uh, you know, more of like, you know, the, like the push and the Tom Clum kind of guys and the Aaron yeah. Snyder kind of guys who really, really, really get into the, you know, into the tuning and like the, um, you know, when, when I started, um, and this wasn't all that long ago, you know, um, when I, when I started with my compound, um, thing, things that are kind of explained now that are just being explained to people like, Hey, you got to watch out for this. Hey, you got to like, I, I kind of, again, learned after like repetition. Like one, one of the ones that I kind of relate to is, um, for, for tuning my bow. Right. And it was, you know, um, I still have one of them actually, but, um, at the time it was an elite Z 28. I have an elite pure now too. Um, but before I knew what the hell I was doing with, with, you know, with, with, with tuning, with arrow rests and things like that, um, I would notice that, let's say I would get a pattern, I'd get a group, let's say 20 yards. And, you know, let's just say, you know, for, for shits and giggles, let's just say it's like a two inch group. Okay. Yep. And I would move back out to, or even like 15 yards. Okay. Then I would move back out to 30 yards and my group would grow maybe slighter, slightly bigger. And then I'd move out to 40 yards and I'd still have like maybe like a two and a half, three inch group, you know, if I did my part, Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what the hell? Why is it why is it shooting so so crappy at, at 15 yards, but that doesn't get any worse at 40 yards? Well, again, you're applying like critical thinking, and I I don't and I'm not trying to say that I'm I'm smarter than anybody or whatever, but it takes a, a certain kind of like inquisitive mind, like really delving into like okay, why is this doing this to figure it out? Yeah, and I'm like oh, um, it's not coming off the arrow straight, you know, and until people uh, until like the boom i think in traditional archery lately when we talk about archer's paradox and how quickly you know uh it's it's more important you know to to tune uh perfectly tune you know uh, an arrow coming off of of, of a traditional bow so it's not all you know porpoising and catawampus and stuff what was happening i discovered was oh well it's still kind of random and trying to find um, i bad terminology trying to find its way the arrow's still kind of settling itself out yeah and you're getting a, a random pattern, but when you move back 30 to 30 yards to 40 yards, it's going to consistently only it's going to recover and it's still going to hit 
you're still going to impact in, uh, you know, the, the error is what it is. And the error is over with as far as like bad arrow flight in, in the first part of, you know, the first several yards, 10 yards, whatever. But it's it's going to hit where it's going to hit as long as you're, you're doing it. That's why it's not growing because it's always within that margin of error. But up close, when you should be like pinpoint, you still have that bigger margin of error because the arrow is still flying sideways. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, totally. most people never, I was never told this. That was something that I figured out like, oh, this is why it's doing this. And now, you know, in the last several years with this big, you know, um, interest in traditional archery and, and tuning for, you know, trad bows and, and arrows and stuff. Th- this is, I, I haven't heard too many people mention this. I know I think Snyder touched on it a few times or whatever, but I'm like, oh yeah, hell yeah. That's, 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 I, I came to that conclusion, you know, myself years ago and I'm sure other people did too. It's not like I'm sort of, you know, sort of genius. I'm sure you came up to it, but certain things just weren't talked about because nobody really, really knew it. And everyone was like, oh yeah, just, you know, um, what, I, what makes me cringe is, and I don't know if this you will be good to hear because I have several things that okay. make me cringe. What too. makes me cringe is when someone says, um, for, for practicing, right? And they'll say, okay, well, just, you know, shoot, you know, shoot at 30 and 40 and 15 will be a chip shot. Bullshit for that same reason. Because, yes, you should practice at longer ranges and, and this and that. However, up close is where it's going to, when, I mean, what's the national average? Like 17 yards out of a tree stand for, Last uh, I heard, yeah. You know, between right? 15 and 20. Right. So that is like, the the red zone that is like i mean if i was going to concentrate my aero flight and my groups and my you know my my flight and, and impact points whatever if i was going to concentrate if someone said you know do you want to be accurate you know having a beautiful flying super tight group when you shoot from 40 or when you shoot from 12 i'm picking 12 because that's probably where i'm going to shoot from and that's where your arrow is going to be catawampus what do you think of that i like i like that you know because i this is going to be against what some of my friends always tell me. And that's, what's funny is they'll listen to this. And tell me I'm full of crap. I don't shoot past 25 yards. Mm-hmm. I'm in practice ever. I don't, I just don't. I, my max against any animal right now is 20 yards. That's all I care about 20 yards and in. Yeah. So I shoot 25 because 25 is a slight holdover and you just never know if you're in a situation that maybe 25 is right. Maybe that is the right call in in a certain situation. You just never know. So I'm prepared. 25, making sure that, you know, 20 is good. And from there, I don't care. Why? Well, I shoot a fixed crawl. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to, if I wanted to shoot further than that, I would use lighter arrows. I'd use a different setup. The other thing is with practice, uh, I'm always practicing with my hunting setup. And if I'm trying to be precise you know the whole point of scooting back is because you have this larger margin of error you know if you're a centimeter off at 40 yards you're inches off at the target mm-hmm. you know it, we all understand that but my argument is well how about i just hold myself to a higher standard at yeah. those closer ranges rather than scooting back and just trying to hit the target how I about i how about at those closer ranges i just hit that golf ball every time so like today yep. I, I walked out and I'll even I'll send you this on, on our Facebook messenger where we were talking. This is what I did. I walked out today of the house and I was like, Oh, I want to take some shots. So I shot at 20 yards and I shot my four arrows. I just sent it to you. Yep, and I got it. that was, and that was my group. And 
all four oh, yeah. arrows are touching. Fixed crawl. You know, I'm cheating, but it is what it is. I, Boom. All four arrows touching. Done. Done practicing. I don't need to scoot back to 40 yards. Mm-hmm. I don't have to at all. I can do that right there at 20 yards. I know I'm money. Boom. Yeah. But in retrospect, too, also thinking about the other side of things, is there are people that hunt out west, and there are all these other people that shoot way further than just the average whitetail. And because of that, I won't discredit the, the further shooting. I simply say, right now, it's not for me. Oh, so I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. I see the merit, yeah. but right now, it's not for me. I'm going to shoot no. 20, 25 100%. yards. Done. Yep. 100% agree. And I and I didn't mean to sound like I don't think you should be inaccurate or have poor flight past 20 yards. I think I, I'm just I'm just kind of rebelling against the commonly held belief that, hey, you know, totally. if you're if you're shooting great groups of 30 and 40, you got to be good at, you know, on at 15. Well, no, you're not. Again, if you're not, yeah. if you don't have absolutely perfect arrow flight. OK, where you're probably going to take 90 percent of your shots, that's where I would focus in, in, in getting it tuned. And, oh, and by agree, the way, though. when you when you tune perfectly out of the bow under 15 yards, then obviously you're going to get perfect arrow flight at 40 yards as well. You know what I mean? It's just guys it, you don't know, understand you, they have to yeah. practice close range. People miss turkeys all the time every year. Oh, yeah. you know, it's turkey season. I'll bring that up when the turkey is like, yeah. circling in front of the blind, you know, and they don't realize they have to use like a 30 or 40 yard pin. Why? You never practiced it. You never mm-hmm. tried it out. You got to try those super close ones. The first deer I ever shot with a trad bow, I was basically lucky because it was a shot I'd never practiced. I'd never practiced from my tree stand straight down. I got lucky. Right. I just did it. But I never practiced that. I I knew that afterward. I was like, holy crap. I never actually, I felt unprepared there. It worked out, but I felt unprepared. Yeah, can we can we can we take a side detour with that? Because um, because totally. you you shoot you shoot both right? You shoot both compounds and and um, and traditional right? Now I'm only traditional. You're, I don't, now you're only I, traditional. Yep, I shot a compound. So I'll tell you that little snippet here in a short period of time. Sure. I started off just shooting traditional bow or bows with no sights. I should say because my very first one was a uh, was a really light bear compound that my dad had got for me from a friend of his and i used that my dad was always using a trad bow so i was like i don't wanna i want to recurve i want to recurve so i got a recurve and then i kind of like outgrew that i want a different one i want a new one so i got that but i was never good enough to hunt with it yeah my dad wouldn't let me so i had a uh, matthew's mission ux2 compound that i shot shot with and and that was all fine and dandy put down a nice buck with that bow and then since i was like okay now i've been there i've kind of done this now it's time to do traditional stuff and miss a deer with that bow and then i was wrapped up with sports in high school because i was a three-sport athlete and i was like the only thing i wanted to do was play baseball wrestle and do football and that's the only thing i cared about so i didn't really bow hunt much in high school so i did a lot when i was younger and then i kind of took a break and then when i decided to get back into it it was like no compound done with it not going to do it uh but again with the recurve i couldn't quite grasp that hunting accuracy so i got uh one of the bows that is in a lot of those early youtube videos of me shooting Mm -hmm. and it's compound it was a hoyt nitrum 30 hoyt nitrum 30 i believe yeah and i hated it so i ended up selling it and then i've been full trad since then so i've been full trad now for four years but before I've been shooting traditional bows since I was like 
five or six years old. So, but but you guys still test the stuff with, with compounds, though, right? Oh, I mean, yep. okay, that's yeah, where that's, that's what I mean. Ryland come in because they're yeah. Garen is both Ryland's only compound, and I'm only trad, so we kind of okay. have a good little mix going. And you just started a um like a super curve uh, Facebook group, didn't you? I believe. Yeah. Yep. Just started that group just to share some data in it and. Uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested in super curves or some of that stuff, you can join. It's just called Super Recurves slash Longbow Community. It's just on Facebook. And we just share data and talk about super curves because not only am I used to being a traditional bow hunter, but I just recently got into the ILF game. And mm-hmm. that's of course, way different. And of course, I went way nerd mode and learned way too much about it in a very short oh, yeah. amount of time. Like, you know, what else am I going to do in my time here being mm-hmm. I'm home? So I yeah. went off the deep end on that. And <laughs> that's just bad, too. But yeah. So a super curve, if if anybody doesn't know, is uh, I mean, you look at the tips of a recurve, right? And they, they curve forward. They re- recurve forward. So, okay, hey, can you hang on one second? My wife's uh, leaving for work here. So, yeah. Love you. Bye. Um, okay. So I'm back now. She, yep. uh, she's working her, uh, shift at, uh, target. She's working at target now. And then they're doing like these overnights. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been, it's been crazy with the, yeah. Man. COVID is right. changing everyone's lives. I feel like it, yeah, it is. So anyway, the, um, what was I saying with the super curve, super curve. Okay. So with the super curve, um, Hang on, I'm moving back into the house here. I was outside sitting in the garage in the car so I don't wake anybody up. Um, the hooks on those things are like really, really aggressive. They're more mm-hmm. aggressive than your normal um, than your normal recurve. Now, are you are you finding that those are are harder to shoot? Because yeah, that's all I hear is how much you know twitchier they are. They're definitely faster, right? But are they, I mean, how, how are they to shoot? Are they, I don't know. I don't know why everyone acts like they're so difficult to shoot. Like I picked it up. I did my normal stuff to set up the bow. And my first shot was like right in the cache. And I was like, Oh really? I think I like this bow a lot. So then I went to the shop and it took me eight. It was like eight to 10 minutes because we record, we didn't record a video, but we were, I bet my buddy that I could get it like all tuned and set up in a short amount of time. So it took me like eight or 10 minutes to have bear shafts flying at 20 yards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this thing is a shooter. So then I had, a, I like I had my setup good. It was done, you know, eight to 10 minutes. And that's what I've been shooting for a while now. Not a it's, problem. I don't, is it, I don't, I don't is, know is how it's faster. Oh, it, dude, it's fast. Like my 65 pound Bob Lee that I've used for a long time it draws like between it's it's like about 58 pounds at my draw is like about what it is mm-hmm. um and with a 650 grain arrow i was getting 161 163 feet per second something wow. like that yeah so and that's relatively normal for that traditional bow but now with a 600 grain arrow so 50 grains less uh, but only 47 pounds at my draw, I'm getting 165 feet per second. Jeez. So I'm doing way less work. 
a little bit less arrow weight. I'm testing out 600 this year instead yeah. of 650 or, you know, way heavier. So a little, you know, 600 grains, 47 pounds. That's a little over 12 grains per pound if the math in my head is right. And yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah. To be at 165 feet per second is pretty dang fast, I think. No, I, I first, first, especially for a, you know, 600 grain arrow, that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty good payload. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Is, is the, the first year, go, no, go ahead, go, no, you go. Oh, I was going to say, is the Bobbly ILF or? No. So then, so they're like the normal, like bolt down recurve, like they're yeah. just not to make fun of Bobbly. I love Bobbly for if anyone's listening, but they're like the typical workhorse, like a little bit slower, but really smooth, really quiet. So they're not like crazy performance, but it's like crazy comfort is what Bob Lee likes. And so then the super curve is like more like crazy performance. But I think they're seriously, at least for the Morrison Max six limbs, seriously should be in a conversation about serious comfort as well. Because when I did like the draw force curve data on it, it's like, it's so smooth. I just was telling some buddies the other day, I had some yucca limbs. Yucca is like, I don't know if you know, but maybe none of the viewers know, or maybe some of them do. Yucca is like really highly respected in terms of ILF limbs. Right. And they're supposed to be like, you know, some of the best limbs out there. I just got some in on Monday. They were returned on Tuesday. Really? I did not like them at all. I thought that they had a slight stack. The finish was... First off, out of the box, the finish didn't look fantastic for mine. And then the fitting, uh, the little uh, forks that actually fit into that ILF fitting, uh, you know, not the limb tips, but like the bases, Mm -hmm. they barely fit that bolt. I had to push super hard and I had my bolts like all the way turned out to try and just give myself some room. And it was like barely go on. So I don't know if I had a bad set and it's very possible. And I don't typically like to just say, blanket statement i tried one item from them and it was bad so they're bad but Mm -hmm. regardless and i know that if it was all perfectly set up it would probably feel different but it just didn't feel great when i did get the limbs in there it was like really tight i got strung up seemed fine but yeah it just it just wasn't great i just went back to my morrison max six limbs and i was just like man this is just like it's butter smooth because I got mediums, which are good for 28 inch draw. Uh, and I, I, my draw is 27 and a half. So there yeah. is like negative amount of stack going on. It's like there's no stack. Hmm. And when I did the draw force curve from like inch 22 until the 27 and a half, well, really from inch 22 until 29 it like stays at like one pound of increase in draw weight per inch, which is like barely feels like anything. When I did the Bob Lee, now granted it's really heavy, so it's going to have a little bit greater change per inch, Mm -hmm. but it was like, as you went back, it got more change per inch. It started off at like one to two to maybe three, and then it got to like two to three to maybe four towards the back end. Whereas these super curves are more up front like starts off at like 11 to 10 to then five to seven and then dumps off to like three to two. And then it's just one, 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 one to less than one per inch. That's why a lot of people say it feels like let off right on those things almost. I mean, that's a term they use, but yeah. 
it hmm. feels like that, but that's not what it is. It's not like it's actual let off. Let off right. would actually be detrimental to the to its performance. Right. If you're actually talking like limb science, but the the feel of let off is definitely there because that change per inch is so little. So where the super curves get it right is because of how they're curved. What happens is they spend more time at towards full draw. So picture it like a compound in all my compound testing, the ones that are most efficient, like that are the best with a heavier arrow setup is the ones that spend the most time at peak draw. And that's because when you release it, there's this solid energy transfer. It has more time in what I would call the power band. Think mm-hmm. of like a car shifting. When that car right. is in that power band, it shifts clean and the energy transfer is perfect. Well, that's my analogy for how I would talk about bows. Mm-hmm. In a compound, if it spends more time at peak weight, yes, it's going to be a little more aggressive for you, but that energy transfer is going to be very clean and aggressive, and it's going to like, right. oof, that arrow's going to go. Well, it's the same way with these trad bows. And these super curves, they get up to peak weight, and they stay near peak weight for a lot longer, and they have that big power band, and that energy transfer is like big time. That's why you get... You know, yes, the design helps them be fast, but that's why you get that greater efficiency as well. Right, so it, right. it keeps that speed, even though even if you try and use a heavier arrow, it still keeps that speed. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've never shot anything that's that's you know radically curved like that. So I've I've always been kind of curious about them. I, I'm I'm curious about a lot of stuff. I'm like, man, like right now I'm waffling. Like I really want a long bow of some sort, right? Um, and I I'm you know I have a uh, Omega original, right? And that's like a 64 inch. And, um, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm looking for something shorter, right? So I've been pining over these like Tolkien pikas and they're like 56 inch or, uh, like a Java man or something, or, uh, and then going to the other end of the spectrum, you know, like a Northern mist, you know, longbow, which is like a, which is an ASL, which I get, it's like a D shaped, you know, yep. um, longbow and that thing's like 66 inch. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to shoot them all. I kind of want to try them all, but you know, I got to give you this plug, and it's only because I'm on, and you know, I'm on this ILF kick. But mm-hmm. I have to give you this plug. Depending on your budget, which it sounds like all the bows that you listed there are about the same. They're about a thousand ish, between eight hundred and a thousand ish for all those. Man, you would have a heck of a setup if you got like an ILF riser that was around three hundred bucks. Can't do it. <laughs> and then you looked at, and then you looked at Dryad. Yeah. Dryad even makes some wood risers that are ILF. Because I know that's probably where you're going with it. You want that wood. Yeah. Yeah. There's some wood ILF risers, but regardless, Dryad longbow limbs. I've shot those, and they are ridiculous smooth. Like it's not even funny. Really? They're so quiet and they're so smooth. Because I've shot like ASL longbows, and yeah, they're really quiet and like they're nice to shoot, but there's a lot of hand shock there mm-hmm. because of just the style of bow that it is. Yeah. So it's like, man, this is what this is. I guess my issue with is I don't want to spend all that money, and what if I don't love it? You know. Well, like, that, that's I don't love. Yeah, it? that that that's my thing. Now the hand shock thing, um, I hear it both ways. I hear like, okay, well you're just not tuning it right, and you're not shooting a heavy enough arrow. And I would shoot. I mean, I, I like heavy arrows anyway. Yeah. Um, and anyone that shoots and, and I'm, and I'm saying like Northern Miss because, you know, I'm friends with, you know, Jason Samkovic. I don't know if you follow him yeah, at all, but dude, Jason's you know, and he, awesome. I text him all yeah, the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, 
and of course he's really tight with Steve Ture at Northern Mist, right? So yep. and anybody that that talks about Northern Mist says, okay, that is like the pinnacle of an ASL bow, you know, as, as far as like that style. So if yep. I get one, that's the one I, that I want to try because you should I look know nowhere that else be... if you want one. Like if you All want right. ASL, you look nowhere else. Right, and and not and not to you know poo poo other other bowyers who make you know D shit you know uh, ASL bows or whatever. It's just you know that's that's probably the one that I would that I would go to if I did that stuff. But I'm not so sure that I want a bow that's like that big, you know. Um, yeah. Like I said, that 64 inch is is like man, I was like digging in limb tips everywhere. Um, I know guys shoot them, and I know guys shoot them in tree stands and in ground blinds and in you know what. But I I don't know. I, I'm 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 liking the um, like the perfect size for me is like, you know, I, I have a, I have a 59 Kodiak, right. And that's like a 60 inch, um, yeah. and that that's AMO. So like tip to tip strong, it actually measures like 57. Yeah. And then what's I have a grizzly. Draw length? What's that? What's your draw length? 27, 27. Okay. Or so we're like yeah. right in the same kind of ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. 60 inch bow would be so good. 62 yeah. would be really smooth, but a 60 mm-hmm. would be like, that'd be good working limb, you know, like that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a grizzly too. I have an, I have a, a 66, uh, a 1966 grizzly that I, I, you know, love that thing, but, um, it doesn't shoot anywhere near as good as that Kodiak, but I still like carrying it. And that's a 58 inch bow. And yeah. that one measures 55 inch, uh, tip to tip when it's strong. That's like a yeah. perfect size, for, you know, and that's yeah, kind that's of where awesome. the pica comes in, you know, and I'm sure that's where like a Java man would come in. Um, so I don't know. Is Java uh, man, Elkhart. Does that sound right? Is Elkhart. That... Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's what a lot of I've heard really good things about those. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think all Polky, those guys obviously. Make, yeah, it's like everyone knows that. Well, n- maybe not everyone, but if you're into traditional bows, you probably mm-hmm. Tolkien, and they are like the mecca of like a reflex, reflex, deflex longbow. Like so right. good. Right. So that, I don't, I don't know. know. There, there's so many options out there that, that, you know, but, you know, right now, I mean, I was all saving up for everything and, you know, it's just about, you know, I sold a bunch of stuff that I didn't need and I was just about to ready to pull the, pull the trigger on one. And, and then this, this, you know, Corona craziness know. hit, you know, I'm like, well, okay, so I'm bad. probably hanging on to whatever, you know, I'm not spending, you know, like most people aren't. I'm just like, okay, you never know what's around the corner here. So, you know, tighten the budgets down. And so that money's kind of sitting there, you know, and I'm like, man, I, I saved and saved and saved. And I'm like, shit, I can't spend it now on, you know, know, but you know, it's not like I need a bow. Don't, you know, it's, it's one of those things I was going to save up for and kind of treat myself to, but, um, right. you know, so that's, that's where I'm at. But right now I'm, so I'm, I'm just, you know, I was out today actually for a Turkey opener with, uh, with the Grizzly this morning, you know, and that's, that, that fits in mind, you know, that, that I have. And, um, you know, I, I, I carried that, the, um, the, the 59 and then I carried my compound a couple times last year for, uh, um, for deer, you know, but, um, wh- when you're, when you're hunting, uh, are you, I guess we can just kind of, kind of segue into hunting here. What, what, what is your preferred, like, wait, are you in a, are you in a tree stand? Are you in a ground blind? What do you do? So this, this is what's funny is, uh, one of the ways that I figured out, like you were bull hunting soul or whatever is from those saddle hunting groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, well, I got the saddle last year, but this year will be my first year full saddle setup. Yeah. Uh, so that's what right now, I guess that's what I'm going to say. I prefer what I have most experience in is like tree stands, yep. but I, man, the saddle game seems really legit. And I, I had a tough season last year. I'll be very like transparent about that. I missed several deer 
Yeah. And that is why I ended up doing shot IQ and setting up a clicker and switching to a fixed crawl. Because okay. last year I was instinct- instinctive. But last year in that process of missing a bunch of deer, the thing that gave me a bunch of opportunity was hunting from the saddle. And it was just a big game changer with being able to be in trees that I didn't wasn't able to be in before. And I know it sounds cookie cutter like, oh, mm-hmm. great. Okay, heard that advertisement a hundred other times. It's so true, though. It's like it doesn't matter the, the shape of the tree up top. It, do, it doesn't matter. I yeah. can use my saddle in it. And I don't know. I just I like that. So that's what I'm going to be trying this year is to finally get a dang kill out of it. I could have had a couple last year and I sucked. Really, the issue, I'll just say this up front. The issue is I was in this weird in-between of shooting like in, pure instinctive or being able to see my field point. And yeah. for some reason, I a couple of weeks before the season, I just couldn't stop seeing my field point. I just like it happened and I couldn't mm-hmm. not see it. So if you're an instant instinctive shooter, don't look at your field point. <laughs> you might accidentally get locked onto it and never be able to not see it again. Cause that's what happened to me. And so I was like, okay, well about a foot low at 15 yards is like my crawl. People have done this before or is like my, my gap. I'm like, yeah. people have done this before. Cool. Well, I found out the hard way last year that a one foot gap, a 12 inch gap at 15 yards is not doable in a hunting situation because calculating that one foot (laughs) is very difficult. I, yeah, I, so I I, I tried doing the gap thing and I, I, I can't do the calculation, you know, depending on yardage, depending on like, I, I, I can't have it, you know, like, okay, X many inches down for X many yards away. I can't do that. Um, I was totally messed up all season. Yeah, dude. I I, I kind of settled on the whole um, like overall sight picture, you know, gap distinctive. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm looking. I I referenced the arrow. I see the arrow, making sure it's straight left and right. I know it's there. It's it's like a mental like kind of like security blanket. Like oh, okay, it's there. Yeah, it. everything kind of looks good. But then I concentrate on the spot that I want to hit, and I'm not consciously up and down X many inches or, or, or whatever, you know, and that's kind of the way I've been, I've been practicing, um, you know, and, and I think for the way, the way, the way I, the way it worked for me, cause I tried, I tried all of it. I tried like the gap. I tried, you know, the fixed crawl, fixed crawl was just too, too loud. Couldn't get the bow to tune very well. Um, cause you know, anything more than like a half inch crawl down, for me, it just like, you know, the more you crawl down, the more you got to move your knock point up. I mean, right. That's like literally why I'm in ILF now. Right, because you it's can mess around with the only reason I'm in ILF now, because right. I can till it too. You can till it, right, exactly. And, I, and that's another rabbit hole I don't want to go down just yet. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, for me, what what it, what kind of worked after, like I had to really, really work at, at shooting traditional. It took me like several years, right? Uh, and it was kind of frustrating because like normally if I try something, um, like I'll, I'll pick it up a lot quicker, but this one really kicked my ass. But what I, what I came to the conclusion was, okay, you can, you can start, you know, you, you can argue all you want on Facebook groups, you know, instinctive gap, blah, 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 blah. I think in the end it all kind of melds in, in, in the middle somewhere. Um, because you can try shooting gap and you can do gap and you have a you know dedicated aiming system and then you shoot and you shoot and you shoot well your brain is still 
like registering all that data of okay here's what the site picture looks like here's what it's kind of like the aperture you know or like the lens on on a camera it sees what it sees right i mean it's there you can't you can't unsee it it's just whether your brain registers that consciously or subconsciously but it all i think just kind of goes in the subconscious so after shooting maybe like thousands of shots of you know a dedicated crawl or whatever your your brain still takes that overall snapshot of what an instinctive shooter would consider instinctive like okay i see what i'm looking at and i think i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but you start to actually do the calculations for gap a little bit less and the more trusting the sight picture that it looks okay and you just let it go that's kind of the way it's worked for me i mean yeah and it's different for everybody for me i literally am like okay it's roughly six inches at five yards yeah. and then it's like a little bit more than that at 10 yards and then it's back to like a couple of inches at that 15 to 17 so like i have like exactly what it is mm-hmm. memorized and actually it sounds like i don't even have it memorized mainly because like you said now i went from knowing exactly like okay this many inches to now it's a sight picture thing for me and hopefully yeah. by doing what I'm doing with my practicing by the end of the summer leading into deer season, it will just be like natural to me from zero to 20. And now I can just range find a deer will walk in and be like, Hey, this is where I got to be. I know this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Put that tension in the right direction. Clicker goes off. Boom. Dead deer. Hopefully that's hopefully. Right. That is yeah. what it's supposed to happen because this last year was so frustrating. I'm yeah, not joking, I mean, dude. I missed two deer in one night twice. No shit. Twice. Oh, man. Some people are like, yeah, I did that three years ago. And I'm like, oh, I did it twice in one season. Yeah. And one was on a typical 12-pointer that come in that we didn't have any trail cam picks of. That was nice. And then the other one was on two nice big old nanny adult does. And I totally screwed up, so... Yeah, there I am on a uh, recording being completely transparent for those that think I lie about everything. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and and it's not and it's not just um, you know, set up too. It's also um you have to follow like you, you can have a system, but you have to follow the system. Like back in November, I was down in Florida, so I went on a hog hunt down there. Nice. Um, you know, and one of these, you know, pay to pay places that I have gone there for years for rifle. This is the first year I decided no, actually it's not the first year. I decided to take my uh, I have a Kodiak Magnum. Um I took that down there and my compound. Well, um you know, for for all the videos that I make, and I say, hey, 13 and under is my chip shot. I got this distance. I don't have to think about it. It's I'm confident. You know, confidence meter peg. Blah 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 blah. Well, I I didn't pick a spot. I didn't come to full draw. I didn't hit my anchor. I didn't expand. And I hit this thing in front of the in front of the the rear ham and the gut, and I ne- we never found it. You know, Dang it. And, I, and I absolutely, absolutely hate that. You know, I, I freaking hate like wounding anything. And it just was like, oh, and, and this was 100 percent my fault. Um, it wasn't the bow's fault. It wasn't the arrow's fault. It was I I mean, and it's a shot that I've made, you know, on targets and practice and, and, and feel whatever, like uh, literally probably a thousand times. OK, but the one time where I needed to count on myself to actually do it properly the most, I let myself down. And it was it was a, and it wasn't even like 
I wasn't rushed. It wasn't, you know, like, like buck fever, you know, hog fever kind of thing. It was just, I, I just, I just rushed it for no, for no reason other than just, I, you know, I didn't pick a, it started with not picking a spot and I didn't rush it or I, I didn't, you know, slow it down and I just rushed it for no reason. I had all the time in the world to take a shot on this thing because it's over a damn feeder. You know, they, they're always moving, but you know, I was, I was waiting for the perfect shot. So anyway, you can have all that, like all, all the stuff laid out, you know, like this is my crawl, this is my anchor, this is blah, blah, blah. But if you don't follow every single one of those steps at the moment of truth, then, you know, then you have what I have, which is, you know, a wounded animal that that, that you don't find, you know, so. Yeah, and I, 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 I think that's the frustrating, yeah, that is frustrating. And the other thing that's frustrating is, like, my season last year is I was on a big, like, mission to have uh, success uh, more success where it wasn't as blackout as other ones. Mm-hmm. I've had some where I was like, man, I don't even know what just happened. What just happened? I've had some where I was like, yep, everything. I remember everything because I was completely paying attention to everything. Um, so my goal was like last year, I was like, okay, I'm not going to have a single kill be like a blackout thing. Because normally mm-hmm. it's like 50-50 for me. Um, yeah. Like half of them are and half of them aren't. Like I wanted just all of them to be super conscious decisions about drawing anchoring shooting you, you get what i'm saying and yeah. they all were and the arrow never found its mark i'm like yeah. what else am i supposed to do you know and then that's where it was like hey my aiming right now is the worst ever did the saddle so, affect your uh your your aim and your shots um i, I don't know what you're using like what, what are you hanging out of yeah so i i brought or I was on the the bandwagon that bought a trophy line when they came out because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm just not gonna drop the cash on tethered and have it not come in forever, right? And not ever get to try it. I was like, trophy line shipping, I'll buy a trophy line. Mm-hmm. So I got a trophy line saddle. I cut the bridge off and did my own rope bridge that longer to to get rid of the hip pinch. Mm-hmm. And now I have zero complaints about it. It is so good with a predator platform yeah. and lone wolf uh, sticks. Okay. And then I have the Predator pack with some Molly pouches for all the rest of my gear. Yeah. I like, I love this setup, and it does not affect me at all. Uh, the way my shots were very, very good, perfect left and right, terrible up and down. So yeah, it was all my 12 inch gap. Me, me idiot, just not the right setup for killing okay it was had nothing to do with trying to brace or whatever because no, i saddle about was this. way yeah. better than anything i've used yes yeah I, I was never comfortable in a tree stand and uh you know last year was my first year you know hanging in a saddle but um i i'm finding that i'm i need a better platform because i'm using that um um artisan outdoor uh platform which is like a it, it, and it's a great little mini platform right it's not trying to be something bigger but it bolts to your top step of your stick you know? Okay. So, and I one stick it up. So I literally, I have like my stick and at the very top, there's this little platform, but the platform is only about like what, three, four inches deep by like 12 inches wide or something like that. And, you know, it's better than standing on like the serrated, you know, f- folding, um, you know, hawk helium pegs or whatever. Right. Yeah. But, um, for side loads for, for, for kind of kicking around the tree, um, uh, let, let me, let me rephrase that. 
the way I was most comfortable in that is only in a certain like limited kind of like swath of, of area around, around the clock. Okay. And I was kind of like, if I'm hanging down one way, let's I'm trying to do this now. Let's say if I'm hanging down, let's say by like my seven or eight o'clock position, you know, that's or to, to nine o'clock. That's probably the most, most comfortable. If I was going to try and shoot anywhere around more around the tree, I didn't, I, I ran out of like stuff, like footholds to kind of push off against with both feet. You know, how you kind of have to brace yourself with opposing pressure on your legs, you know, to kind of balance yourself and get, get your lower half nice and rock solid. So your upper half doesn't swing around like a pendulum, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, I wasn't able to do that with this platform again, not the fault of the platform. You know, if, if you're looking for a minimalist, great you know, great company. You know, I like, I like all these smaller companies that are, you know, jumped into this whole game and providing these products. But, um, I definitely need finding I'm, I'm needing something with, with just more foot room so I can spread my feet apart a little bit and kind of like push off with one and bend with the other, or just kind of, you know, um, kind of count counter brace myself, you know, so I can push off toward the side around one side of the tree or around the other side of the tree, um, without swinging like a, like, like a pendulum. Cause you know, you, you find the low side, you know, you, even, yeah, even you in do. a, yeah, even in the most straightest of trees, it's never like perfectly, perfectly straight and you are the pendulum, you know? So I think this year, um, I'm either going to drop the coin on a predator or the, um, is it the out on a limb manufacturing one? Yeah, um, it's one of those big, two. Yeah, and everybody is kind of back and forth between. They're both, you know, excellent, I guess. So I'm, I'm, I'm leaning toward the Predator. I think it's just a little bit smaller as far as like packing goes, you know. But that's that was one of the things that. Um, not, not, I never got off any shots out of a tree, but you know, you're up there, you swing around, you practice. Hey, if it comes from this way, you know, can I draw? Can I do this? And I just was never able to to get to all the different directions to be able to shoot around the tree that you see in some of these, you know, like tethered videos or whatever. Um, but granted, they're using the Predator platform. I was just never able to get all those like shots that, that those guys do. And I'm like, okay, I definitely need to up the, the platform game for next year. You know, the thing is, is I get what they're saying about, you know, more shootability. But I actually, in my little experience, do disagree with the 360-degree comment. Yeah, I do too. Um, uh, with the tree stand, I think it's 180. I think you got 180. Mm-hmm. Because beyond that, I'm balancing weird or my bow arm or something is kind of in the way. And yeah, yeah, I get it. You can see 270. But in general, your shooting is about 180. Now, Especially with, saddle, with a stick bow. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. 180 degrees. Like I'll give you that. Now with the saddle, I think it is a true 270. It is yeah. a true 270. But 360, it's going to be really tough to convince me, uh, unless I just really need some training in my saddle. But I feel like I've tried about every direction possible. Yeah. And in target practice, I'm really comfortable 270 degrees with the saddle, whereas it's 180 with the tree stand. So it is better. Yeah, and it, it's it's more shootability, but I just don't know if I can buy into the 360. You know, it's just tough. I don't know if I can buy into that. Yeah, for Too me, much it was adjustment just, I just, when yeah. an animal's there. Yeah, for me, it was more. I just, I I liked that you're constantly under tension. Yeah. Um, 
and I was just, I've never been comfortable in a tree stand. I've never been comfortable shooting out of a tree stand. So, you know, I had, I had a XOP vanish and I was looking to ditch that thing anyway and get like a lone wolf. Cause you know, for reasons I've talked about, they're just better. They bite, they bite better. They bite the tree better is more stable. Um, but then I was like, well, I'm just going to look into the saddle thing. So that's the direction I went. But yeah, I, I found it. I couldn't do all the directions that, you know, supposedly you can, but I think with a better platform, I can definitely get a whole lot more than I was. So I'm kind of looking looking forward to that for this year. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, a uh, question for you, uh, what your arrow setup is going to be uh, for Turkey or if you change it or what you use last year. Like, what, what do you got rolling? I'm curious on what you have and if you are, you know, as I guess into the heavy arrow game necessarily as I am. Because I feel like, a lot of guys stand a little bit differently on things. A lot of guys mm-hmm. have some different beliefs, I guess, on like FOC and what airway yeah. they should use. So I'm curious where you're at with that. Because for viewers or for, I guess, listeners, like Emma and I have talked maybe five times. Yeah. So I, I, we don't actually know each other that well. So I am curious as to what your setup is. Okay. So my bows are right now, they're between like like 39 and 42 pounds. Okay. For, uh, for my, um, trad bows um one reason for that people keep asking me like why is it so light one reason is because when i first started uh shooting is uh you know i i i was drawing like damn near 30 inches okay easily over 29 but over the course of the last i've whittled it down actually like really whittled it down the last year um it kept coming down and down and down because i was i I was practicing um i'm going down a rabbit hole here and i'm gonna answer your question i was practicing um in different configurations or different positions, right? Like leaning down, turning around. Um, I know you're supposed to have the perfect upper body T, but I know in reality, I know that's not going to happen. So I was finding, I wasn't hitting my clicker. I wasn't hitting a consistent full draw in what I would consider hunting conditions. Okay. Um, shooting downward out of a elevated platform, tree stand, whatever, uh, on the ground, twisting around, you expect them to come from one direction, but they come from, you know, way more behind you or more the other way. So I kept, you know, shortening it till I could always hit, um, it, it still felt like full draw, you know, and mm-hmm. I would always hit my anchor, you know, corner of my mouth. But, um, when I'm standing perfectly still or, or, or upright in a, in a, in, in a, you know, outdoor range or indoor range, or whatever, I can pull 30 inches, no problem. So anyway, so I, the bows that I'd bought were like 40 pounds, 42 pounds, 43. And I was hoping to end up like 45 to 47, 48 pounds, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Well, when you go the other direction, it's like, well, shit, now my draw length is shorter and shorter. So now I've got like bows in the 38 to 42 pound range. <laughs> okay. Right. Which is one of the reasons I want to um, get another bow anyway is because um, I'd like to end up like 48, 50 pounds, which I can pull no problem. Um, it's just like I said, I, I ended up going the other direction and I have these bows and I like them and, you know, I modify the grips on them and whatever. So I can't really sell them, you know, like right. I, I get like pennies for them, right? So um, with that in mind, I... I, I, I I'm, I'm on board the heavy, the you know, the, the heavy train. So... For my one bow, the 59, um, it's a uh, it's a gold tip uh, 500, a gold tip traditional, and I think that's coming in at like 520 grains or something like that. I'm nice. about 13 grains per pound is what I really like. 13 grains per pound is kind of what I'm I'm happy with as far as trajectory. Yeah. I don't have to worry too much about holding low in my you know visual you know snapshot kind of thing, um, and that comes in at about 25. 
5% FOC, I think. Um, yeah, something like that. And on that arrow, I have a Zwicky Eskimo. Nice. Uh, and then on my Grizzly, I have a 600 spine Golter Traditional. That comes in at 500, and, uh, that's about 42 pounds. And that comes in at uh, 560 grains. And that is 20. That, one's 23 and one's 25. I can't remember. 24 and 25. So somewhere around there. Um, and that's got a uh, that 265 grain tough head, uh, meat head on there. Nice. So I just got those. Those are awesome. Yeah, I just got those. I actually uh, uh, did a podcast last week uh, with Jason um, Wojciechowicz. Said his name right. Yeah. Um, that's like that's that. gonna yeah that's gonna publish here in a couple weeks. So um, yeah, so those things are you know great to sharpen easy to sharpen it's my first single bevel um and they happen to work you know i would i would change the zwickies but i don't but i'd have to change a whole lot more on on my uh front end componentry and stuff yep my spine and i just didn't feel like messing with that but i've got one bow shooting shooting those tough heads so that's going to be my um you know deer slash uh turkey slash whatever so they're like i said they're about 13 grains per pound is where it comes in at um, north of, you know, 23 to 25% FOC. And yeah. then, uh, on my compound, I, you know, if I do carry that, um, that's, you know, that thing's only like 54 pounds or something like that. So it's a elite pure, not exactly the fastest bow ever made, ever made. And, uh, man, that I've, I'm shooting, um, actually I'm shooting a Zwicky Escalite on that one because it's 145 grain tip. I had them and, uh, that is a 490 grain arrow but uh, it's only doing like 210, 210 feet per second. Jeez. <laughs> it is, I know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my, my setups. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, that's just cool. You know, and that's the thing that some people don't understand too is, and I've talked to this in other podcasts is like when people talk about 650, just because you use you know whatever it doesn't mean you have to be at 650 the number one thing is to shoot an arrow that has a trajectory that you are most comfortable with right think about if from one of your traditional bows if you were like hugging that 650 number you'd be at like 15 grains per pound mm-hmm. and you would have shot that would just before. yep yeah and it would it would probably be somewhat uncomfortably slow yeah you know with those same bows i last year i was fiddling around with this and I was up to 620 grains, okay? 620 with like 27% FOC or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it was noticeably slower. Now, noticeably slower when you're only doing, these are only doing like 145, 148 feet per second as it is right now. Um, but I think they were like in the 130s even. And it's like, okay, yeah. when you're only doing like 140, 150, what's another five or 10? Well, it was even for me, I mean, knowing its limitations, yes, it's slow. Yes. It's got an arc, you know, um, and it really drops off after 20, even up to 20, you know, I, I can really notice the difference between like 15 yards to 20 yards was a noticeable drop. It's like, okay, it's just a little too heavy for me. Now, if I was shooting, like I said, if, if, if I move up to, um, like a 48 pound bow, 50 pound bow, I would love to be in the 600, you know, like North of 600, you know, 600 mm-hmm. or still keep that 13 grains per pound. I'm really liking that trajectory. So, yeah, but, you know, to me, I I obsess over um, sharpness and I obsess over arrow flight and bear shaft flight. And, you know, I I figure the rest of it, if I don't fall apart like I did on that, you know, on on that pig, then, you know, it should be good. Yeah. You know, guys forget that 
if you're below 650, it doesn't mean you can't effectively mm-hmm. penetrate bone if you come in counter with it. Right. It just means that you could have not the penetration you want. It means that it might not work. It doesn't mean that it won't work. Correct. It's just that yeah. it might not work. And I know uh, one of my buddies, Jake Thompson from Danger Close Outdoors, his wife, she shot a massive eland with her compound shooting 530 grains and pulling like a 48, 47 pound compound. Really? And she got over three feet of penetration and effectively penetrated through or into the offside shoulder. So the broadhead was just sticking just almost through the hide. So it got through there, but it wasn't quite, you know, so it got full penetration of the shoulder, but it wasn't like pass through style. But yeah, she, yeah, but she still, breached it. Is the point? Is she yeah. breached it? So yeah, the the offside. Yep, she yeah. breached the offside shoulder after penetrating over three feet due to the angle to get to that, and that That's was, crazy. you know, mid five hundreds, high to mid forty pound compound, and yeah. her draws can't be more than twenty seven. So right, you know, that's what you know. People forget that it's. That's why you got to go off trajectory and comfort to be number one. But then from there, you got to make sure it's a good broadhead. You got to make sure it's tuned right. You got to make sure that you have some FOC. You don't just want to grab like a 20 grain per inch arrow. You know, you got to make right. sure you have a little bit of FOC going on and make sure you're comfortable with it from there. Man, any any arrow setup that follows those things that gets put right in the money is going to be just fine. But yeah. I do like to have a little bit more of that you know, I guess cushion for like, room for error. So if I do mess up, I do want to be able to penetrate the shoulder. That's why I've always been like 650 or above, but yep. I've also shot pretty heavy bows. So yep. now this year being at 47 pounds, it's a little bit different for me to be at 600 grains. And I don't and, even know if I'm going to use a single bevel. I might use the silver flame, uh, 210 from grizzly stick. I might not even be using the single bevel this year. I don't even know. And, so, and you're shooting grizzly stick arrows, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know I know the owner really well. He's just a really good friend of mine, so I just always support them. Everyone always makes fun of me and says I'm sponsored, and I'm not sponsored by anybody. I just I'm just good friends with the owner. Right. Now those are tapered shafts, aren't they? Yeah, they're tapered from front to back. Okay, so it's all so it's got a bit of a, a built-in FOC as it is. Yep, five percent bare shaft. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that's yeah that's a quick way to pick up five percent that's that's pretty awesome yeah so it's easy for me with their stock insert which is 70 grains with a 50 grain brass uh screw in in the back of that with a 200 grain head yeah gives me what i call a slug of just over 300 grains so the point weight plus the insert weight anything you have screwed into the insert is what we reference as a slug Mm -hmm. and my slug weight i always try to have about 300 grains of slug weight yeah. And then have the arrow make up for the rest of the weight. That way I know I have adequate FOC. Right. And that way I know that I, my setup is strong. So I got enough weight up front to account for at least, you know, some good structural integrity. Right. And from there, I just tune the heck out of it. I just tune, tune, and tune a little bit more and make sure that it's just perfect. Yeah. I'm like you. I, if my arrow flight's not perfect, it bugs the bananas out of me. 
Yeah, it bugs me more when people say, why the hell do you need that? You have fletchings. And it's like, ugh. And I've given up arguing with people, um, <laughs> you know, because then, you know, I, I, I used to jump in on the, you know, pick your Facebook group, right? Um, <laughs> I used to jump in. But, I mean, now it's like by the time you jump in, there's already like 28 comments. And by the time you finish typing out what you're going to typing out type out on your phone, much less, there's going to be like – 15 more comments by the time you hit you know reply on you know to the one you just started typing and it's like okay uh, it's you like other people other people can fight this fight because you know it's one of those things you just kind of give up after a while and you're like if 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 they want to know about it they can find out about it i put out enough stuff i talk about enough stuff i'll do videos about you know what i mean they and not just me but yeah. everybody right um, you you can you, you can go listen to Snyder. You can go listen to the Push guys. You can go listen to you know you. You can go what uh, uh, Sam Koviak, Any of these guys, right? It's out there, and I, I just feel like we all up. put out relatively similar content related to those right. subjects. You'd think that it wouldn't be a question anymore, but like you said yeah. in the beginning, is there are people that have been doing this for a number of years, and they're not ready to listen to what you know a different way might be. You know, they've, they've, they've got a way of doing it and it works yeah, for them. Yeah. I did you a podcast. You really discredit it. Early on, like episode, I don't know, one of the earlier episodes called uh, Beware the Chad Police. Man, I got, I got some, some flack for that from some of the, the, the curmudgeons, you know. Um, I love that. That's it awesome. It was, oh, it was, you know. And, and my beef with with it was was like, look, I, I I think there's people that you know say they shoot, let's say, you know, uh, I shoot with a sixty pound bow. Well, I've seen some of these people shoot, and they're like th- three four inches in front of their nose, and they fling their you know, you know, hands like sideways off the string. Well, you're not pulling <laughs> you're not pulling your fifty five sixty pound bow. You're probably in the high forties, if that. And and poor flight, arrow flight, mind you. Um, and not everybody. Again, I'm I'm. Just painting everybody with a broad brush, but uh, some of the loudest squawkers are the ones that are like, I, I got, you know, fletchings. Who needs, you know, bear shaft? Well, you don't understand about energy loss and how, you know, short range or your arrow is still going sideways. And, um, you know, why why wouldn't you want want, want to have, you know, perfect tune? Just, just all these kind of oldly, old held beliefs. And this is this is my belief. I'm not, you know, saying this. Anybody believes it. My belief is that a lot of these, a lot of these guys, up until like, re, I'm going to say recently, past like five years, let's say, um, let's say like since like the Snyder effect. Okay, um, a lot of these uh, guys were shooting traditional bows, and it seemed like like this mystical, magical, super superpower kind of thing to the rest of the hunting world, right? And then they were happy in their little, you know, they they were happy in their in their little world. They were happy in their little area, and you know, it's like <sighs> all of a sudden when a light was shined up on what's going on with. Hey, this is really what the bow is doing. Hey, this is really what the arrow is doing. Hey, this is really what's going on with with you know a dynamic spine. Here's what you know all the stuff, and it got started to get broken down. All of a sudden, like the like the like the Wizard of Oz, like the veil was was lifted behind this thing, and all of a sudden these people are like, well, these aren't like they were, they're not looked upon as like these superhuman people that can shoot these amazing mystical weapons anymore, you know. And I think some of them didn't like the having that light shined on them you know yep and to segue a little bit off of what you're saying you know we're kind of talking about people that know what's happening 
and then the people that the I guess I'm going to rephrase that people that know what people are supposed to do, you know, they're experts in their trade. You know, you might be really good at traditional archery, uh, but you don't have this massive kill record. So people don't know that you're competent. Mm-hmm. Like the guys like Aaron Snyder and them, it was a good thing that they were so competent and they could back it up by a bunch of kills that exactly it was, it was okay to do things a little bit differently mm-hmm. than what everyone else had done in the past. Right. You know, not to say that people in the eighties didn't bear shaft tune, but I think a higher percentage of people do it now than what they did in the 80s, yeah. you know, no yeah. doubt. So I sent you his photo uh, on the your Dunning Facebook Kruger Messenger, effect. and it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And this is one of the things that we are probably affected by. And you were saying that, that I was reminded of this because you said the loudest squawkers are a lot of times the people that don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. This Dunning-Kruger effect is unavoidable. Anyone that's introduced to something new is going to follow this particular graph. So for listeners, if you just Google Dunning-Kruger effect and go to images, you'll find this graph. And it on one side, it says confidence. and the other side, it has none and then experience and then expert. So in one, it's, it's talking about experience. And in the other part of the graph is talking about confidence. This is why it's so hard for our content to be looked at as valid is right. because they don't know where we are at in this Dunning-Kruger graph. Right now, I believe I'm all the way on the right in the expert. I can help anybody on anything related to arrows and bow tuning, but I had to go through the experience level. to I had to use experience to get to that part. And yeah. I was at a point that I was at none, and I was confident. The squawkers, I used to be a squawker. Mm-hmm. When I was learning all this stuff, how do you think I got subscribers? How do you think I got my name out there is from yeah. being a confident squawker that truly had no idea what was going on. And over time <laughs> yeah. with preaching this, 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 this is what you need to do. If you're not doing this, then you're wrong. Then over time you start following what everyone, what you were telling everyone to do. And you notice that you need to make tweaks and you're like, Oh crap, yeah. everything I've been saying isn't quite as perfect as what it sounds. And yep. then you are led to this, I guess, end all is what I'm going to say. And the end all isn't like this. This is the one setup everyone needs. It's this exocentric point of view that you understand that it might be different for everybody, but there's a couple common things that everyone has, and that is the trajectory that they like. You know, good arrow flight, all this stuff. Yeah. Sadly, a lot of the old timers that aren't willing to budge on their stuff are they never left the peak of no experience. They stayed high confidence with no learning to be had. Because yeah. they were too stuck in their ways, and yeah, it's, it's really hard for I look those at, guys. Go ahead. It's it's hard for those guys to decipher, you know, where we're at. Because if I'm saying stuff and another guy's saying stuff and you're saying stuff and we're all online, no one knows where you're at in this graph. You might be yeah. the high confident, no experience. You might be the yeah, I got a little more confident than the average guy, and that's because I know what I'm doing on the expert side. It's yeah. too hard online to to decipher that's why aaron snyder and all these other guys have to put out content otherwise no one would learn anything the good thing is like that's why i love the push guys they they're down to our level you know Mm -hmm. they are like i will meet you where you're at and help you out instead of just acting like they are you know flutant tv guys yeah no uh, 100 percent. and you know my, my my i guess not fear, but like one thing, one thing I try, I try to do. I mean, 
you know, there's there's guys that that we're, like we're talking about that you know, let's call them the old guard or whatever, and yeah. they have, I mean, they have a impressive you know history of like 50 years of like stacking deer. Okay, so who am I to tell them? that no, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or that you're not a good hunter or whatever. So I never want to be in a position to, to tell someone that it's, I, I, I try to separate the, um, the hunting and, and, and the killing part of it versus like the arrow tuning part of it, because on the hunting and killing part of it, I do not have the experience, or at least, like I said, the body count to, to stand up to anybody that, you know, has been doing this for you know a long, long time. Okay, so I'm not going to sit there and say, no, your broadhead sucks because such and such, because guess what? I have yet to put a broadhead through out of a traditional bow into an animalist and recover it. Okay, so I'm not going to say that, but I do have a problem with somebody that that does have that kind of experience, but then also completely says, you don't need to do this stupid tuning crap. Look at all the animals I've killed in the last 30 years. Well, you can have both is my point. You know, yeah, just, what, totally. what, they're not mutually ex- exclusive. So, um, and that's kind of the, the content that I try to, you know, focus on and, and, and put out stuff that, you know, makes sense to me or work for me or, you know, explain it to kind of, you know, the, like, like layman's level or entry level, you know, and if it's above my pay grade, I don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect the like people like you, and I feel like I'm I'm on that level still as well as like we just we just put out content that we know works for us. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with the project that I'm working on with the Ashby Foundation is a whole lot of this is what it is, and you're not going to argue it style mm-hmm. of stuff. But for the most part, like both of our channels is just this is what my experience has led me to. Yeah, no one can tell you that you're wrong. You're just sharing what you know has worked for you. Yep. But that's also a crossroads that I try to avoid because people always think there's certain things that are opinions. Like you find the guys online that are saying, no, the heavier arrow doesn't penetrate better. Look at my target. And then I have a response that I would type as to why the target's giving the incorrect reading. And then they're like, uh, wow, you really care about this stuff. Like whatever. What? Don't get your feelings hurt just because I don't want to shoot what you shoot. It's like, no, yeah. you don't understand. I'm explaining science. I'm. Yeah. It's not up for debate it's not opinion it's not what i just think is right it is right i can prove it to you that i just explained it up above man <laughs> like you don't just get to say foc doesn't work be- or i don't believe in that it's not a it's not belief it's science it, it is what it yeah, is <laughs> I, I went through this with um i, I did a, actually a couple videos on uh, brace height the effect of brace height on dynamic spine and on speed and um you know, people would argue with me like, you know, and, and this isn't just something I came up. This is like a, a tenant, one of the tenets of, you know, basic um, tuning for traditional bow where, you know, if you increase the brace height, then it dynamically uh, weakens the shaft. OK. Yep. And if you decrease the brace height, it dynamically stiffens the shaft. And people are like, no, 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 look at a compound bow. A speed bow is a five-inch brace height, and a you know, target bow is like eight. It's like, no, you're comparing one model of bow to another model of bow. If you were to do the same experiment that I did, you really can't with a compound, but like, you know, change brace height like in a one-inch like big jump, right? So let's say from seven and a half inches to eight and a half inches or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you would get the same results that I did, which, which mine were, you know, when I shot the thing, I, I, I showed, look, uh, I, I did it with my Grizzly. Uh, I think I went from, yeah, from seven and a half to eight and a half, I think, um, you know, when it's, when it's, when it's one, it's showing stiff. I twisted it up all the way to the other same draw. I, you know, I compensated for draw length, you know, same draw length. I reset my clicker to be exactly going off at my draw length. Um, and you know, it, it made it, weaker and people still argue they don't understand but it's a longer power stroke and but it's not about the power stroke it's about the initial hit of energy that's stored in those springs because those limbs are limbs are springs you know yeah. into the string and into the arrow and how it accelerates you know and people still argue and it's like oh, don't just talk to me i mean this is what every boyer uh out there you know any any, any tuner will tell you like it's not just me saying this but i mean you could you can prove things like right in front of them with experiments and they still will not believe you because they get it in their head like in this case but it's a longer power stroke power stroke means nothing you know like a, like a, like an airplane an airplane takes yeah. an airplane goes People like get, what, if, yeah airplane goes 500 miles an hour it doesn't get there in two seconds it takes a long time to get there same same as a, with a train you know but um yeah people get I, fixated I, I yeah it's it's anyway so it, it's there, like I said, going back, circling back a little bit, there's there's arguments you can get into, and arguments I just don't get into anymore, and just focus on putting out what I'm going to put out. And if people want to genuinely ask me a question, great. But I don't dive in and be like, you have to bear shaft tune, because I'm I'm done arguing with that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they if they are into, you know, a lot of it is just, I think either young or passionate people that take the time to do research or watch videos, they find these people like my channel or your content that you've been recording yeah. or the push and they find things that people that are better than where they're at, what they do. And then they try and do those things. And that's how improvement happens. You know, people that aren't researching, they don't want to know what other people are doing because they're fixated in their ways. It just is what I it agree. is. Yeah, 100%. We can't change it. It's all good. I know. It's all good. All right, man. We're uh, we're at an hour and a half over here, so I figure we should probably start wrapping this up. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what? Uh, any, anything you want to tell uh, tell anybody listening here, like where they can they can find you? Any other kind of parting words? Yeah, I guess my parting words is that I know that we went down a lot of rabbit holes, and there's I knew uh, we would. <laughs> yeah, of course we do. I mean, we always do. It, that's just what you do when you talk about bows and arrows. But um, I guess if they want to find honest content that isn't trying to push any products on you in terms of like you have to buy this arrow or have to buy this broadhead. I know my videos feature a lot of Grizzly Stick stuff, but I support you in whatever gear you want to buy. If you just want to see honest content that's trying to help the everyday archer, you can find Limb Driven TV's videos on YouTube. Uh, feel free to leave a comment. There is plenty of hate to go around. So if you don't like something, you can always tell me on there and I will just happily delete your comment. I delete yeah. probably five to six comments a day. So that's super fun. Yeah. Uh, but it makes me laugh. So it's awesome. But if you'd like to leave a happy comment, that would be good too. Uh, you can find all of our stuff there. We're, we're decently active on Facebook as well on our page. You can find us on that. Otherwise, those are, those are the two spots I have recorded a podcast with you now on bow hunting soul and i have a couple that i'm on with traditional outdoors as well so that's how you can hear that's my right. beliefs and what i believe in for bow tuning and arrow setups 
That's right. You were on Traditional Outdoors um, with uh, Steve uh, Steve Angel and, and Nick View there, right? Yeah. 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 I think you guys talked about uh, ice ice fishing. Was that was that we on that? Yeah, one? I did. I did a different one with them about ice fishing too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that one. I'm like, yep. Still, I mean, I, I, I keep saying this. I mean, I've, I've lived in Minnesota for a long time now. I still have not gone ice fishing, and my <laughs> friends want to get me out there, and I tell them, you are not going to get me out on a frozen puddle of death. No, thank you. I am not stepping foot on it. <laughs> oh not, gosh. not, not my thing. So, oh, all right, man. Um, stay on the stay on the line here. I'll uh, when I when I stop recording. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Um, you know, check out Isaac and uh, and Limb Driven TV and all that stuff and uh, obviously check out all the bow hunting soul uh you know youtube podcast like share subscribe all that stuff so i appreciate it and uh, i'll talk to you guys next time thanks